Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name's... Dominic Ponsford, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Press Gazette, and welcome to The Future of Media Explained. This is our first episode after the summer break, and we're going to be finding out all about how to reach Generation Z. So, this week's episode is all about how to reach Generation Z, and helping me on this journey is a representative from the generation known as the Millennials, I believe, Charlotte Tobit, Press Gazette's UK editor. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Dom. And you are, of course, Gen X. I believe I am. <laughs> so generation, uh, but at least I'm not a, uh, what's, uh, not a boomer. I don't have to say OK boomer at you. <laughs> Which I feel boomer has become a bit of a term of abuse. I always thought millennial was a bit of a term of abuse as well, but is it or not? I think it's just that if you're not in the youngest age demographic, that group will always make fun of anyone in the older groups because it seems that Gen Z are making fun of millennials and boomers and anyone older than them, really. Okay. So Generation X, so we grew up with emerging technology from starting with the videotape, taking us up to where we are now and most of the time with the internet. So fairly comfortable with technology, but also enjoy the old ways and even enjoy reading a newspaper at the weekend. You're a millennial, so... I grew up with message boards and MSN Messenger and that turning into MySpace and Facebook, so sort of social media, but less maybe omnipresent than it is with the youngest generation now. Okay, and just remind me who are Generation Z? They are basically defined as anyone born between 1997 and 2012, so that's currently anyone aged between 10 and 25. Ah, okay, so I've got a couple of those in my household. They're 11 and 13, and they get a lot of their news from TikTok, so they've got some quite interesting ideas about the world. So to help us understand from a publisher's point of view how we reach these quite hard-to-reach people in Generation Z, we've got Benjamin Cohen coming on, who is, I remember... Years back was the technology correspondent for Channel 4 News, and I think while doing that, he launched Pink News, which is still going strong, isn't it? Yeah, really strong. And I'll give you a couple of figures, actually, just so that you can appreciate how well they're doing. So 2020, Pink News had operating profit of 370,630. 2021, operating profit 2 million. They're still growing massively. They're massively boosting their staff numbers still. So yeah, just for anyone who doesn't know who Pink News 
are. They are an LGBTQ plus news brand or news and entertainment. So although they're maybe slightly different than a lot of the publishers who might be listening to us, obviously they've got a very specific audience in mind. On the one hand, it's not just for LGBTQ Q plus people. It's anyone who relates to those values. He, he put it as those values. So although they're not general news as such, like the Telegraph or whatever, for example, it's how they're engaging with people. So he talks about how they're using social media and in particular Snapchat, but also it just shows that if you've got strong brand values that the audience relates to, then you're going to have a really strong case with that audience. All right. I'm looking forward to hearing from Benjamin. I know he really knows his onions, so it'd be great to have his insight. But before we speak to Benjamin, we had a couple of Generation Z representatives in the office this week on our summer internship programme. Now, they're not completely typical Generation Z people because they're both from St Anne's College, Oxford University, because we have a a long-standing arrangement with that particular college and we always take interns them and a particular uh, program that the company runs but nonetheless they're very interesting people and uh, it's very fascinating to hear their views on how they get their news and information so let's hear from them first so we have jake millican yeah i do history at oxford and how old are you jake i am 20 so you're firmly in the generation yeah i'm firmly generation Z. okay and Lexi Turner. Hi, Lexi. Hi. Yeah, I do psychology at Oxford and I'm also 20. Brilliant. We don't only take interns from Oxford, it's just we have a a scheme which we run with Oxford College as part of the company by way of explanation. Okay. Really am interested to hear what your reading habits are. Do you read any newspapers on a regular basis? Yeah. I wouldn't say that I go directly through the sites to read them. I definitely would say access through social media a lot of the time but then I I read through that a lot what about you Jake I read the Financial Times The Economist and The Guardian a fair amount but when I say do you read a newspaper you're not reading you're actually not actually picking up a printed newspaper no No. I mean I'd say the most kind of the same like Guardian and the BBC but that's obviously all digital okay look you go first, Jake. What's your, uh, what does your media consumption look like? If, if I'm a publisher and I want to reach you, I think Jake's uh, going places. He's a good reader to have for the future. What, what, how do you access things? So for most news, I'll go to the Financial Times page or the Guardian page in the morning and just check through, see what's happening, read a few good articles. You usually get very distracted and go into a massive rabbit hole on particular issues. Yeah. But for breaking news, it's usually from Instagram. Okay. So that's interesting. And you're the guard, uh, this Guardian FT. You said you're two picks. You you go to the website homepage. You're not you're not like on the on an app or something. And that's on your mobile phone. I take it. Or, um, or either that or my laptop. Okay, interesting. And or either that or Instagram. Yeah. Okay. And what, which media sources do you look at on Instagram? It's usually like big Instagram pages, like UK ones. I'm just bait, something like that. That comes up with oh yeah breaking news, this controversial things happen, then I'll maybe look into it a bit more. Same question to you, Lexi. I have the news app on my phone so I can scroll through and read a lot from BBC and The Guardian and same breaking news a lot of the time. Mostly Twitter for me, not so much Instagram. That'll see a lot of stories and then we'll Google it further. Okay. And TikTok, that, I mean, that, people say that's a, a growing thing, but mate, is that a bit younger in your generation, would you say, or is that something you guys are into? No, I think TikTok's definitely a big thing. I think the thing with TikTok is 
you definitely get to see a lot of stories that maybe aren't covered in traditional press. And it's nice because I think they're very geared towards younger people and younger people's issues. But again, the thing that you have to remember is obviously don't take everything at face value. So then it's taking it from TikTok, going on and then doing your own reading. I don't really use TikTok that much, but I think with TikTok, it's quite short video clips. So you can't get that much information into it. Okay. Okay. It sounds like by by the sounds of it, you're both accessing some big brands there and is reading the news and being up to date on current events are big important to you yeah yeah massively oh, great to hear there from lexi and jacob charlotte do you want to introduce the uh, benjamin cohen interview now yeah well i hope you enjoy the interview with benjamin i started by asking why it is important for young lgbtq plus people to have a publication like pink news We think that Pink News and the different um, brands that we operate are really important given the current climate. And I would say that's something very specific to the UK. It's really hard as a young person to be able to open up, if they are opening up a copy or visiting online, the Daily Mail, Telegraph, even The Guardian, because all of them are attacking LGBTQ plus people, in particular trans and non-binary people. And so what we want to do is counter that narrative, both in the editorial that Pink News puts out on the web and other platforms, but also specifically in our queer catch-up show on Snapchat and other platforms, which is all about countering the mainstream media narrative about LGBTQ plus people. Before we delve into the more specific uh, social platforms, I wonder if you could share your general thoughts about what you do at Pink News that really appeals demographically, by which I mean, sort of, why are you so big with young people? Totally. Well, Pink News was founded in 2005 and we have a mission to inform inspire change and empower people to be themselves and that mission runs through everything we do when it comes to the content the advertising partnerships we have and the platform partnerships that we maintain and i believe that sort of mission is really resonates with gen z and young millennials they're a generation have really core key important values so is it sort of about the issues that they believe in that you can highlight? I would say it's issues, but it's also about the lens, right? So the thing is, on the web, we're publishing important news stories on a daily basis on other social platforms, whether that's Facebook, Twitter. We're, we're mostly looking at the news that matters to our core audience and our core mission, of, which, is create, which was about creating LGBTQ plus content. But then on, on Snapchat and Discover, we've been able to, as Snap has grown as a platform, launched 20 different shows that target different interest groups. But all of those, all of that content is done through our, I would say, queer lens. It might not be that they're about LGBTQ plus issues or celebrities, but they're, they're created through our lens of being a LGBTQ plus owned, med- owned and operated media company. And that's the kind of difference. And that's what I think has started to really appeal to young people who are consuming our content. So when you first launched on Snapchat, as you said, in 2018, did you realise how big it was going to be? I want to go back a bit. So why did we launch on Snapchat? So Snapchat Discover launched in 2015. There were a very limited set of media partners. And at the same time, there was some really interesting polling that YouGov did here in the UK. And traditionally, people had thought that what what was the percentage of people who were gay? There was the anecdotal evidence, and people used to say this, 10, about 10%, which is actually came from the Kinsey studies back in the 1950s and 60s in the, in the US. And what Kinsey did was use a scale. 
So ask people to, Africans, you ask people to identify their sexual orientation from zero being 100% straight to six being 100% gay. And from one to five was varying degrees of bisexuality or pansexuality, as we might more commonly now refer to it, particularly among young people. And there was a really interesting polling that YouGov, YouGov did around the time that Snapchat Discover launched here, where they, instead of asking people, are you gay? Or saying, using terms like, are you bisexual? It asked young people who we'd now describe as Gen Z, that term wasn't really used then, to, uh, to place themselves on the Kinsey scale somewhere between zero and six. And what was really interesting was that 49% of that generation placed themselves between one and six. So 51% said they were 100% straight, but 49% said they were either 100% gay or having varying degrees of bisexuality or pansexuality. And that demonstrated to us that this was a really interesting generation that we weren't really properly talking to. And we weren't reaching really, frank, frankly, on platforms like Facebook. And we were seeing, I was seeing, there's this new thing that's growing massively in America. Snapchat Discover was shown Snapchat Discover in late 2015. And we then spent a number of years lobbying Snap to do a deal with us. And when we launched in the UK in 2018, the only, the Daily Mail was publishing in the United States on Snap, but the other publishers were The Sun and The Telegraph. And then at the same time that we launched, their Lab Bible launched. And that was it. There were not a lot of publishers on there. So we weren't really sure what exactly would happen. And there were sort of quite a negative coverage about Snap in the digital media press at the time. But we really believed in in that our missions were really quite similarly aligned. And what was just amazing is when the first piece of content went up, which is just over four years ago, we were blown away by how many people we reached immediately. And then since then, we've really grown massively, both on that platform, but overall. And the engagement and the creative way that we've been telling stories through Snapchat has really informed the way that we both tell stories on all of our other platforms that Pink News operates, but also the way that we sell our branded content and our advertising deal. And frankly, it's been incredibly transformative as a platform for us. Since we launched, Pink News has had 300% revenue growth year on year, every year since launching on Snapchat. And it's really driven to the growth of the business over recent years. You said you've got 20 channels now? I think that actually might even be by the time we look, by, by the time this goes out, there might be 22. So is it a mixture of news and lighter stuff? Because obviously a lot of traditional publishers like to say TikTok and Snapchat can't do hard news or whatever, but obviously you're proving that you can. I think you can, but you have to understand what Gen Z are interested in. And they're not necessarily interested in the same stories that mainstream are interested in. On Snapchat, Pink News has a variety of different channels. The original Pink News channel, which started as purely LGBTQ plus news has evolved and is now really about celebrity stories. And we're telling stories through our lens and most of the celebrities that we are covering are LGBTQ plus, but we take a different approach to maybe some of the media might do. But if you think back to traditional LGBT publications from the past, like Gay Times and Attitudes in the 1980s and 1990s, who did they have on the front cover? They weren't all LGBTQ plus people. They were the icons. They were people like Cher and they were people like Madonna and they were Kylie. What we've done is decided to follow the life stories and the celebrity stories of the celebrities that define this generation. And then not necessarily if that interested in Britney Spears and certainly not Kylie Minogue. They're more interested in Kylie Jenner. And so that's what we lean into on that channel on Pink News. But then we also have the quick catch up, which is our 
LGBTQ plus news show, which is only really about positive news. It's about news that makes you smile. And that's the one that has achieved a lot of critical success. It was named show of the year by Digiday this year. It won the Association of Online Publishers Awards in the UK, the the US Digiday Awards, it was named that. But at the UK's Association of Online Publishers Awards, it won Best Use of Video. And that's where we're telling really inclusive stories for our yeah, predominantly LGBTQ plus audience there. And then we have shows like Closet Critic, as I mentioned before, which is our fashion show, which is talking about the fashion of your favorite celebrities, maybe LGBTQ plus, or might be people who are allies of the community, but told through our sort of queer and inclusive lens. So on the revenue growth you just mentioned, what's that from? Um, what are you driving revenue from on Snapchat? From advertising, frankly. So both Pink News and Snap sell the advertising on there. We serve billions of ad, ad impressions of culture on our Snapchat shows. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of ads to be filled. Quite a proportion of that is programmatic, which is being sold by Snap. And they have had tremendous growth. That seems, I would say that from my own experiences, sometimes the opposite of the media narrative about Snap, the company, we're seeing the complete opposite. And we're seeing continual growth there, but on the monetization from Snap Sands. But we're also having really great success ourselves selling, selling advertising campaigns that run on our different shows, whether that's being shown to UK consumers or being shown to US consumers. So away from Snapchat, obviously, there's a lot of other platforms that you're across as well. So if Snapchat's the most important, how do the others compare? Number two for us is Facebook. Absolutely. I know that Facebook is seen by people to be a bit of a has-been platform sometimes, but about 50 million people see our content on Facebook. But the important thing to note is on Facebook, we only have about 600,000 subscribers. On Snap, we have about 6.3 million. And I think that's something I wanted to flag and why that platform works for us in some ways in a different way to Facebook. When you follow something on Facebook, by default, that is public. So following Pink News on Facebook is akin to coming out. If you're like friends and family might see, and certainly in the old days when Facebook used to show you everything that someone did. On Snapchat, no one knows who follows at what anyone else is following or subscribed to. There are no comments, there's no likes. So your experience on consuming our content is entirely private and it's full screen attention. But for us, it's still really important because a big cohort of our audience is consuming content on Facebook. It's really important still for delivering web traffic for us. About half of our traffic to the website does come from Facebook. And we've seen really actually high growth from our Facebook over the last Yeah, actually thinks learning some of the lessons from Snap and other platforms, we've incorporated that into Facebook in the way that we're, we're trying to handle it. Then the yeah, Instagram and Twitter are really important to us. Twitter. Uh, is another place where we actually do earn significant revenue. So we have a video partnership with Twitter. So we're their sole LGBTQ plus media partner. So you can, brands are buying advertising on our Twitter videos. Some of the content that we create on Snap goes on Twitter and Instagram and it's then monetized. TikTok is the one which we need to grow on, I think. But I think that any, anyone, any media company that looks at it and thinks that's the Gen Z platform is actually slightly mistaken. Yes, there's lots of Gen Z using it, but there's people of all generations using it. And I think it's wrong to pigeonhole that as a Gen Z only platform. The challenge for us for TikTok is, is a number. One, monetization is not the same as on Snap or on Facebook or on Twitter. There isn't really much monetization unless you're selling branded content. 
So the revenue that we earn from creating video content on some of those other platforms just doesn't happen on TikTok. Plus it's not a curated platform. So with, with something like Snap, there's an algorithm at play, of course, but there's also a really clear content strategy. There's a limited number of publishers and it allows our content to shine. There's really clear and strict content rules that aren't in place on other platforms such as TikTok. So we doesn't feel sometimes a safer space, I think. But then there's also additional concerns that I think that some might have when we're recording this today. The parliament's TikTok account has been deleted because of concerns due to its Chinese ownership. And that does raise questions about investment into that platform. I think going forward, particularly for British brands, if you think about some of the things that were said during the leadership debate, you had Nodes Trust at this point of recording. And I think when it's going to come out still foreign secretary, suggesting that maybe TikTok could be banned in the same way that Trump did a few years ago. So I feel that there are legitimate questions for that platform and whether it's right to be investing significantly in that, which are questions we just don't see with Snap, Twitter, Facebook, Insta. From the New Statesman comes a new podcast, Audio Long Reads. The best of our reported features and essays, read aloud. Featuring writing from our authors, including Edward Docks on the death of Boris the Clown. When did the booing start? He was never exactly sure. A year inside GB News with Stuart McGurk. One presenter told me that producers had taken to booking their own parents. May Robson on why women's football is the more beautiful game. Like most of the England squad, the Euro 2022 captain Leah Williamson can't afford not to have a plan B. Ease into the weekend with our audio long reads published every Saturday morning. Just search audio long reads from the New Statesman wherever you get your podcasts. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is really interesting to me because at Press Gazette, we have done quite a lot of stories over the last six months or so about publishers getting very excited about TikTok and the potential to reach young audiences. But no one really seems to talk about Snapchat anymore. They're wrong. I'm happy that they're not because I don't need more competitors, but they're wrong. But but I think that the reason why they're wrong is that for Snap, we have a team of nearly 20 who are creating the content on Snap. It's a significant investment to be creating the, the volume of content that we're doing. It's not the same as TikTok. On TikTok, it's very easy for someone to hold up their camera, film something like a creator, because creators don't have huge production teams working on all of their content, or most creators don't anyway. Whereas Snap is a, it's more like running a mini TV show, where it's like each episode is like a TV show and each channel that we have on there is like a TV station. So there is significant investment that goes in and you can see why some of the media companies that really are deciding to pivot towards Snap are traditional broadcasters, people like Channel 4, people like ITV in the UK, people like NBC and MTV in the US are heavily leaning into Snap because t- TV broadcast style content really does work on that. And it's really working for us to produce high, higher quality video. Whereas for TikTok, I think the raw authenticity means it's easier to jump into. So more of them might just feel, oh, we might as well have a little go. Yeah, have a little go, but you're not going to make much money on that. <laughs> so here's the thing that I would say. Pink News is still a relatively small business. We have a team, we've grown up, double our team over the, for a lot, uh, during this year from 30 to 60, we're aiming to hire another sort of 15, 20 roles this year and a further 100 or so next year. So we are rapidly growing, but we are not as big as the Daily Mail or the Telegraph or Vice, other places which are putting significant resources, I think, into platforms like TikTok. And so for us, we do look at where we're likely to get the clearest return on investment. That's not to say that we're not going to be investing into TikTok, and we are. And there's certainly from a brand's perspective for the advertising, they were saying there is there's a kind of advertiser demand for the type of content that we create to be like the brand of content for us to be able to start selling on TikTok. I'm just simply saying that those publishers that have discounted Snap, but also are starting to discount Facebook and Twitter are mistaken because they're still really powerful platforms where there is clear monetization that isn't quite as clear on TikTok for sure. If you look, if you even look at some of the influencers who, there's some influencers on TikTok who have a lot of followers and a lot of engagement. 
and some of them actually have disclosed how much they're making. On a per view basis, it is tiny compared to what you can generate on a part of platforms. And, I, and that's one of the challenges that TikTok will have, I think, as it scales up, is how does it adequately reward the media companies that are wanting to invest in that platform? Because at the moment, I just don't think that it is not in the same way that Snap or Meta, Facebook, Instagram or Twitter do. You just mentioned Instagram. Uh, I think that's the one we haven't really touched on yet. And in the recent Ofcom data that came out, Instagram did rank as the top source of news for teenagers. So how big does Instagram feature for you? For us, it's not as big as that. So in the US, it's, the numbers would be slightly different. So in the US, Snap is above TikTok as Instagram for news consumption. But yeah, in the UK, Instagram, and that's the reason why Instagram's moving its head office to the UK, because they've got really great penetration to market access here. Instagram is super interesting for us. I would say, here's my, not my criticism. I think it's harder to make money. I did say like, you can make money on them. Facebook has really good monetization options for publishers. Instagram, not so good yet. I'm pretty confident that Meta will roll those things out as audiences shift from Facebook to Instagram. But for us, what we're trying to use our Instagram, I think, news for is a more curated discussion. It's a very friendly community. You don't get, we're finding that we don't really have very aggressive comments on that. It's a much more inclusive space. It's also the majority of our of users audience across all of our platforms is, is female. But Instagram in particular has a really strong female presence or people who identify as female as a strong like audience cohort on that. That we also see on Snap as it happens, but on Instagram, we're trying to create a safer space for our audience to discuss the issues that are important to them without the kind of trolling that is so easy to happen on platforms like Twitter. What's good about uh, Instagram is that Obviously, as a publisher, we can delete and block people from being able to comment on our content. That's harder for us on something like Twitter. So you say your team's got about 60 people now. What's the demographic of the team like? So we have a very, very young, very dynamic team and we're constantly recruiting. So for the content that ends up going out on platforms like Snap and TikTok and, and Instagram, we've got a lot of entry-level roles to get really young content creators in. And we're trying to build the, build the infrastructure and opportunities for them to progress in their career at Pink News for as long as possible. And the great thing for us is, unlike some media companies, we're not cutting back. We're hiring quite aggressively. And we're both trying to bring in more talent. Some of the more traditional media companies, and in that team that work on Snap, there's people who've joined us from Channel 5 and from the BBC, as well as some of the big digital publishers. But we're also getting people straight from university and some of our best content creators. This is their first job and they are super like native to Snap and TikTok and other platforms like Vreal. And I can tell you that like they're using the platforms and that they're consuming the content that Gen Z are every day, all day, and they really get it. And that's why it's, that's why that content's really working for us for a Gen Z audience because it feels authentic. Rather than someone of maybe my generation trying to talk down to a young audience, this is content created by and for that audience, Gen Z and young millennials. So as a 40-something, or at least you will be when this comes out, uh, I thought you might have lessons for other business leaders who are also trying to reach young people 
you know, how do you as the chief executive think about that audience? And to what extent do you leave it to younger staff to um, have those ideas? Or are you coming up with ideas yourself as well? I come up with ideas still a lot, for, particularly to Snap. I use Snap all the time. The challenge with some of the other platforms like TikTok is the algorithm on TikTok is so good. It's really hard to fool it and pretend that you're Gen Z. It knows that I'm an older millennial. So it's showing me like nostalgia from when I was young. So it's quite hard to get the same things that like the younger members of my team have. But on Snap, I'm consuming the content as a consumer. I'm getting some of my news from that. And so that's really helpful for understanding what we should do. But fundamentally, the bigger, big advice for any other CEO who wants to move their media company to talk to Gen Z and young millennials better is to hire more of them. There's some amazing talent. What we, that's out there, what we've tried to do with internally at Pink Seas is create a really fun, like nurturing environment for people to work in. What we've massively invested in the last sort of 12 months is our internal culture. And that's so important, particularly for young generations. I sometimes think back, so I used to be a correspondent in the Channel 4 News, so I worked at ITN for six years and I started working there when I was 23. And the basic rules for media in those days, and particularly being a young person, was that you were supposed to act like you were someone in your 30s or 40s. And people were, they A, kind of talked down to you, but you were expected to push, pull yourself up and accept the status quo. Young people, and certainly young people that who work at Pink News, we, we swim against the tide. We don't necessarily want everyone, doesn't necessarily accept the status quo. And so we've adapted our work practices to be like comfortable and inclusive for that very young team. And that culture is so important. And I definitely feel that for me, it was a real lesson. We, I don't think we invested enough in that previously, but we've really put a real emphasis on it. So we do, we have a quarterly sort of roundup where we go through all of the achievements that every team has, has managed to achieve. We have a monthly Pride of Pink News Awards where this is for junior members, non, there's not really some managers in the team to n- nominate each other, but how they've helped make their work life better are the people. And every month, three people from different teams win a Pride of Pink News Award. We do, our, as I said, we do a quarterly kind of wrap up of everything that's been achieved. Then we have a big party and young people and everyone likes to have an opportunity to enjoy themselves. And we're trying to create an environment where work is fun. Yes, there's hard work to do. Yes, there's numbers to reach. Yes, there's content to produce or advertising sales to achieve. But we want it to be fun so that work becomes a pleasure rather than this tedious, horrible, humdrum thing that you're doing because you're doing it just to pay your rent or your mortgage or electricity bills or whatever. But being attuned, the other thing that I would say is my advice to CEO who's trying to reach this audience and attract young people to come and work, listen to the teams. We do like, regular pulse surveys of our staff, both about the content that we're creating and about the um, kind of environment for working in. And we've adapted and things that I thought we would never do, we're doing because people really wanted it and we want to create the best environment for them. And we've changed some of the things that we're doing from a content perspective because we've both listened to our team and listened to the audience and realized that actually the things that we thought were right weren't right. And you have to continually be evolving your offering. And, th- and it's because of that that Pink News has achieved that 300% revenue growth year on year and achieved them really significant growth and profits that we've achieved, that we've managed to 
accumulate, but has allowed us to invest in growing our team so substantially this year. And just finally, any wider tips um, other than just for CEOs, but for publishers in general about reaching young people that you've learned that you could share? I think the don't, my big tip is don't discount platforms, right? So I, I, ha- I was a bit jokey about Facebook that probably not that many of our Snap audience to use Facebook, but actually some of the, even the Ofcom research and others did show that there are still young people using Facebook. They might not be using it in the way that I used it when I was their age, but then still, they still are using it. Maybe it's just have some photo albums or for their mom to keep track of them, but don't discount things like Snap in particular is that I will, I'm always going to be a cheerleader for Snap as a platform because I think that they've really built strong relationships with media companies in a way that some of the other partners don't. And the key thing for us with them is they really treat you like a partner. It's not like you're just like this bothersome account that's publishing stories. They're interested in what you're, what you're, what you want in helping you make money and helping you invest in creating the best content to reach the best share of audience all the time. So it's looking beyond just the most obvious thing. And then the other thing, final thing I'd say is, don't think of TikTok as this Gen Z platform that like genuinely is something different. I think it's really exciting. I'm concerned that what exact position might be because of the ownership structure that it has and whether that provides difficult questions for it going forward. But certainly as a consumer, I'm using it a lot and I'm not, I'm clearly not in, in Gen Z. So I, it, what it got is a really great interest graph, but why expect it rather than the social graph is about what you're interested in. What I expect is that the other platforms will start to pivot towards that. And as publishers, we need to jump onto that to understand that it might not be necessarily about follower counts. They might be about creating the right content at the right time to reach the right audiences on the different platforms that exist. We think that pink news and the different um, brands that we operate are really important given the current climate. And I would say that's something very specific to the UK. It's really hard as a young person to be able to open up, if they are opening up a copy or visiting online, the Daily Mail, Telegraph, even the Guardian, because all of them are attacking LGBTQ plus people, in particular trans and non-binary people. And so what we want to do is counter that narrative, both in the editorial that Pink News puts out on the web and other platforms, but also specifically in our queer catch-up show on Snapchat and other platforms, which is all about countering the mainstream media narrative about LGBTQ plus people. It's astonishing where we are today. We're in a situation where there's been so much progress, particularly in the UK, over over more than a generation, over the last 30 years. But but we seem to be going backwards where charities that were really important for for campaigning for the rights, particularly for young people and like inclusive sex and relationships, education like Stonewall, are being attacked daily in the mainstream newspapers that go beyond just the right-wing press. We'll say people who purport to be left-wing press, like The Guardian, are attacking those institutions that are really important to young people. So what we want have been used to show that there is a voice that stands up for them, that's accessible to them in the different platforms that they might choose to consume content. We always, that we will always be on their side with our mission to inform, inspire change and empower people to be themselves. That last bit is so important, empower people to be themselves. If you read a lot of the press at the moment, 
a lot of the press are trying to give the argument that young LGBTQ plus people shouldn't be empowered to be themselves. They shouldn't be empowered to say, I'm trans or I'm non-binary or I'm gay when they're young. And there's now an argument. There's fundamentally the right-wing press in this country, encouraged by others, particularly voices that you do see in The Guardian and The Observer, seem to be wanting us to hark back to the Section 28 days. But for as long as there's pink news and we're reaching those audiences, it's going to be super hard. Even if you take away inclusive sex and relationship education in schools, young people can open up their phones, they can consume things like Snapchat, they can go on TikTok and other platforms, and they will see inclusive LGBTQ plus messages. And that is something that's so important. And that is nothing else that pink news is able to achieve in the UK. I'm so proud that we're doing that, that every single week, tens of millions of young people, particularly LGBTQ plus young people, are consuming our content around the world. That's so important because whatever the mainstream media might do, whatever agitators who are opposed to our rights might do, they can't stop that march of progress. We're there to try and stop them from making it worse for young people. Thanks for that, Charlotte. Fascinating interview, as ever. So I guess any publisher that wants to, is serious about having a long-term future needs to think about the younger readers coming through and ensuring that pipeline, they, that they graduate through, through to our brands at some point. What for you is the big take-home for all, all publishers if they want to start engaging with um, Generation Zers a bit more? Do we, all, do we need to start doing TikTok dances to tell the news or...? Oh, I don't know if you've told the podcast audience yet about your lockdown secrets and your TikTok dances, but I'll say no more. Yeah. Dom has dabbled. You say that, but obviously Benjamin was talking about Snapchat and saying don't discount Snapchat. Everyone's obsessed with TikTok right now and maybe they should think, be thinking a bit more about Snapchat. So I think that's interesting because a lot of the interviews we've done at Press Gazette over the past six months or so, TikTok's come up a lot, but Snapchat hasn't really. And he's he's thinks that a lot of publishers are getting that wrong. The other thing I would highlight is, I mean, it sounds like a no-brainer, but the big proportion of their team at Pink News is the younger demographic. Benjamin himself said that he's 40, but it's, uh, and then, so a lot of people are, most people are younger than him, obviously, but he noted that it's important to make sure you've got a really good culture where those younger team members really enjoy going to work and get a lot out of it and can be creative and work to those values that they believe in. So I think as well as just thinking how where do we put our stuff out, I feel they're proving that if you make sure that you have a good culture internally, then that probably radiates outwards as well to your audience. Yes. So listen to the younger voices. Same with diversity really, isn't it? You need mm. to have lots of different types of people on the team and make sure they're all heard and listened to and reflected in the publication then hopefully you'll engage with those audiences a bit better yeah i think it might sound obvious but probably a lot of people still aren't doing that enough that concludes our latest episode of the future of media explained please like us and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and as always if you want to find out more about the sort of issues we discuss on the show please check out our website, pressgazette.co.uk. Thanks to Charlotte Tobit, Press Gazette's UK editor, and to our producer, Adrian Bradley. <laughs>